We welcome you to the media ministries of the Gathering Church in the Countryside YMCA of Mainville. As we love the Lord and each other, we're trusting that God would use us to plant a church in every YMCA around the world. To this end, would you join us? We meet on Sundays at 10 a.m. and in community groups throughout the week. As you listen to this resource, our prayer is that your love for Jesus would grow deep and your love for others would be seen and heard. This time, kids can go to the Gathering Lights, our children's ministry, ages seven and on down. What a good crew of kids. And hey, I know that you've been welcomed already by folks standing at the door, but I just want to welcome you this morning to church. We're excited to be here together, and uh, I mean, we just, we just firmly believe that when the church gathers together, when they, when they meet, when they sing, when they sit under the scriptures, that something special happens, that the, that the music that we sing unto the Lord, when we open the Bible and we, we hear it read and when we hear it preached, that God uses that to transform hearts. We don't have to be cool. We don't have to be fancy. Um, uh, we, it, it just works. Theologians call it the common graces. And, uh, and we're here today to, to be blessed. Um, so I'm excited to, um, to be a part of this with you. Um, and I just see a couple out-of-town guests, a couple family in town, uh, and uh, we're just excited for you guys to be here as well. A few folks from Antioch, and then a few guests um, in addition. And so um, all we do here uh, is we sing to the Lord, then we open our Bibles, we read them, and then we watch the Lord work. And every time, 100%, um, it invigorates God's people. And it causes them to draw nearer to him. And there's this excitement as a result of hearing it that happens. Um, excitement. It's like fires uh, get lit. Um, wind falls afresh. The spirit works. Uh, sin is, is revealed. Uh, people are awakened and, and more alive than when they came in here. And I don't necessarily know how to explain it, all the words to use, but it happens, and it's beautiful. Shall we go for it? Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, if you would, please open your Bibles to Romans chapter 13 with me. If you weren't here last week, we talked about the Christian and the Christian's relationship to the government and how to live underneath the government. 
And it was really fun, wasn't it? Yeah, we had a great time. We had a great time looking at scriptures. It was awesome. And um, so here's a, here's a question to start us out this morning. Um, let's say you were writing an email or a, a letter to a family friend, and um, you, were, you were describing to them, you were encouraging them and helping them with regards to how to live the Christian life, how to be a light to this world in these times, in these government situations, okay? So they're struggling with things, they're facing some challenges here, they don't know how to think about this or that, and you're about to close your letter. You've just instructed them on how to think through government stuff. How would you close your letter? Like, how would you kind of round the edges from last week, you know? Shave off the sharp points. How would you exhort them and encourage them? How would you, like, shape it so that they could hear, like, a really good, solid message from God? How would you do it? Watch what Paul does this morning. I'm so thankful for the scriptures. I'm so thankful that the Spirit inspired them, that he breathed out on them. Not just every word, but the order of words, too. The sequence that every word is, is perfectly placed. Every paragraph. Watch what Paul does. Romans 13, verses 8 through 10. If you don't have a Bible, you can open up your phone and open up that Bible app, or we have it on the screen for you. It says this. This is the word of the Lord. Owe nothing to anyone except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Verse 9. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Okay, so what do you think this passage is about, church? That's right, that's right. Let's just look at it for a second. Look at verse 8. Love, right? Look at the end of verse 9. Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, let your eyes find verse 10. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Even that last phrase, look at that. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So if you could write this sermon, if you could summarize this, this passage in a word, how would you do it? That's pretty good. But I want, you to see, um, I want you to see a deeper significance, just so that you don't leave here going, oh, the Bible's kind of cliche. I want you to like really grasp this text so that, so that you don't just say, well, Paul's just kind of padding everything so that we all feel good about what he just said about the government or something. I really believe with all my heart that all of humanity since the fall has been waiting for Romans 13, 8 through 10. They've been waiting for this news why? Well, that's, that's where we're going to spend our time this morning. Why would all of humanity want to hear these three verses? So let me tell you something real quick. Go to verse 8, okay? You see that part where it says, whoever loves another? All right, so that word, another, is the word heteros in the original Greek. And it means this. And we've got the definition for you on the screen. It says, one not of the same nature, form, class, or kind. Other, period. <laughs> Different or of uncertain affinity. So basically, Paul is saying to us and to the church in Rome to fulfill the law. To love another really means to love someone not like you, to love someone different than you, totally 
other, not of the same kind, or of perhaps you might feel an uncertain affinity towards this person. So the title of the message is Love Fulfills. And to summarize it in a sentence would be this. Uh, Loving someone different than you fulfills the law. And so we said earlier, um, all of humanity, they've they've been waiting to hear this news, this, this passage that says that love is the fulfillment of the law. Why that? Why has it been so hard to fulfill the law up to this point? Why is it so hard to love people not like yourself? That's the question, okay? So let me just tell you a story. Let's go down biblical memory lane. Preface, lot of Bible this morning. Are you ready? Okay, so Genesis 11, okay? All these people gather around and they decide to build this big tower, okay? All the way up to the heavens. And in the ancient world, why would you build a big tower? Safety. Like, hey, let's, let's feel comfortable with each other. Let's get a common language. Let's get everyone all together. And let's like make sure that we feel safe and secure. There's all these animals out there. There's all these un- uncertain things. So let's, let's get behind some walls. Let's build a tower so that we can see it at a distance. And let's stay there. And God, it, it says in the, in the scriptures, so God came down when they tried to build a tower up to God. God came down and he, get this, this is not the curse of Babylon as some take it. He restores God restores his original vision that happened at the, at the end of Genesis 1, 2, and 3, where he says, hey, Adam and Eve, go out now. Be fruitful. Multiply. Like, get out there and let my glory be known. And after, like, a few chapters, they're like, no, nah, I think I just want to stay. I just want to stay. And so God gives them languages and spreads them out all over the world, Okay. It's the beginning of the nations, Genesis 11. Genesis 12, God chooses one man to start a unique and special nation, ethnos, ethnicity, people group. His name was? All right. So he gathers him and he says, hey, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to bless your seed and I'm going to give you land and it's going to be awesome. He didn't say that last part. And so he chooses, he chooses him. And he goes like, you know what? I want to grow you as a nation. And so after about 70 or so, he moves them on down to Egypt. And after 400 years, they grow to be about 2 million. After 400 years, he sends a redeemer. Named? All right, we're in the Old Testament. Yes. You've been like, I've been in Romans for like a few like months now. I don't do the Old Testament. Come on, let's do the Old Testament now. So God sends who down to get them out? Moses. Moses. Sends Moses down. Moses leads his people out of Egypt and into the promised land. Before they get to the promised land, they stop. They're on Mount Ararat. Okay? Moses goes up. He talks to God. God says, I want to give this people like a uniqueness about them. I want to display my character. You see, I'm, I'm holy. And I want my people to live holy. I want them to be a light to the nations. I want my glory known for all peoples. And so he gives them the law, we say. I want you to go there so that you can see it because we probably haven't been in Exodus for a while, okay? Let's go to Exodus 20, okay? A lot of Bible. Exodus 20. He gives them what we call the Ten Commandments. Put on two tablets of stone. Exodus 20 reads like this. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt Out of the house of slavery, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. 
Verse 5, if you're tracking. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days shall you labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Verse 12. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet, I must omitted the not, that would change things a little bit. Let's start that over. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. 18. Now when the Lord saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. And they stood far off and said to Moses, You speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. The Ten Commandments can often be summarized, and I think it's helpful, that the first five are vertical commandments. Talking about your relationship with the Lord and how to love Him. And six through ten are commandments that lay horizontally. How to love your neighbor as yourself. And God gave these commandments not just as rules to follow, not just Hey, people, I'm going to give these to you, snicker, 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 and you won't be able to do them. (laughs) But he said, here, here's like a window into my character. Here's a glimpse into my holiness. Here's a standard that I want you to follow that will reflect me. Hold on to that word, standard. And the people, they weren't resentful. Years later, here's what King David said about it. Oh, how I love your... He loved it. He loved it. It was a window into his holiness. He wanted to meditate on it day and night. You see, the Father God was showing his people both his character and his requirements. You know who didn't like him? You know who didn't like the law? Jonah. Jonah, a prophet of God. Jonah was all about like the vertical. But when it came to loving people different than himself, to loving heteros, other, different, form, class, he was sent to go tell the people, the Ninevites of God, and he said... I don't want to be a light to the Gentiles. They don't deserve you. Just us. Just we, we deserve you. And so I'm going to white knuckle the truths of God. And so God was creative. Put him in the belly of a fish. Three days. Spit him out. Jonah. He had a heart change, right? No. He gave a... Do you remember this word I taught you a few weeks back? He gave a non-plus sermon to the people of Ninevites. A nonplus. That's like, he wasn't enthusiastic, but he wasn't negative. He was just existent. He was just there, right? Side note, parents, 
Train your children not to be nonplus. Train them to obey you joyfully, okay? To listen and obey right away with a what heart? That's right, with a happy heart, not just like a nonplus. Oh, whatever, Dad. Okay? Jonah, nonplus. You know, what, whatever it was, 30 days or 90 days, I can't even remember. And then, and then you'll be judged. Goes up on a hill. Waits for the wrath of God to be brought down upon them. And God relents because they repented. Jonah didn't really love his neighbor. He was given a standard. He was given a requirement. But Jonah never saw the requirements lived out in the flesh. He was given a standard, but he, he didn't have the standard in front of him to look at, to watch. And all throughout Israel's history, they failed once again and fulfilling the law. And the cry was, we want to see this lived out. We, we want to like be able to touch this, this person that, that could do it. Will it ever come? There's 400 years of silence. And then, as we sing, heaven came down. Before then, God gave an example to his people of what it was going to be like. In the story of Hosea and Gomer. Remember that story? Hosea, a picture of, 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 of the love of God to his people, Israel, Gomer. So God says, hey, Homer. I, uh, uh, <laughs> Hosea, not Homer. <laughs> hey, Hosea, I want you to marry Gomer. I want you to marry a harlot. And she's going to be unfaithful. She's going to keep on running from you. She's going to keep on breaking the law of marriage. And I want you to go back to her. And I want you to pursue her. And I want, I want you to woo her back. I want you to draw her in. I want you to show the faithfulness of covenant love to her. And so Hosea, Hosea kept on going and getting her. Just like God the Father did to his people Israel. And it was an example, a picture. And then in the flesh, some years later, that picture was made a reality. Jesus Christ, God's son, God the son, came, took on flesh, became obedient to pursue a people totally heteros than him. Totally different Totally sinful and earthly. The unearthly, like king of heaven, took off his royal robes and became God with us incarnate. He pursued us. He became the standard of love. And he in himself fulfilled the law. The law, the requirement that was given so long ago, Jesus in the flesh met it. How did he do it? We could spend all of eternity talking about it. John said, I can't even write as many books as like what happened. If I were, it would fill this earth all the way to the skies. And I'm comforted that I will never run out of things to talk about from this pulpit. Decades and decades talking about the glories of Jesus Christ. But I will say, just in, in line of heteros, that he loved the lowly. High King of Heaven loved the lowly. He healed the sick. He spent time with sinners. One time, Jesus was asked to summarize the law and say it with me. So he he responded, not just by reciting the Ten Commandments, but he said that you shall love the Lord your God. Come on. With all your, and with all your, and with all your, mm -hmm, and with all your. And then what did he say? So he summarized the first five, and then the second half he said, and you shall. That's right. And we call that the great, the great, the great what? 
That's right. That's right. The great commandment. In that parable, or in that story, right after he says that, the guy goes, the lawyer, so who is my neighbor? And then he just relays this great story of the great Samaritan, right? Who's my neighbor? So this guy gets beat up. He's put on the side of the road. Who is going to love him? Like who's going to, who's going to fulfill the law here? The priest didn't. You remember the story. The Levite didn't. And then the surprise shocker of the story, obviously the Samaritan does. The Samaritan shows like the Christ-like, God-glorifying love. But still the question is there that actually doesn't get entirely answered in the parable. Who is my neighbor? And the neighbor is the guy that got beat up. And Jesus in the parable describes him and says that his clothes were stripped. Why? So that no one could recognize his heteros, his his class. And he was all bloody and bruised and beaten and thrown in the dirt. Why? So no one could recognize the color of his skin. Like, where's he from? Should I love only my physical neighbor of my own people group, of people like me? Never quite quite answers it directly, but who is my neighbor? What's the answer? Everyone. Everyone is your neighbor. And so Jesus ends that parable and he says, hey church, go and do likewise. And so the question still beckons, hey, the gathering, really, since the fall, all the Old Testament, the New Testament happens, and now we're here, 2021, still we are crying out. We're trying to figure out, how am I supposed to go and do likewise? It's really hard to love my heteros. It's really hard to love my, the, the other people, my neighbor, People not like me that think differently, that act differently. I know it's the right thing to do. I know the principles, Newman. How am I supposed to do it? Like, how is this supposed to be accomplished? I need a massive heart change within in order to have it occur. In order to love others, I need to be changed within. And so Jesus, he came and he died a sacrificial death. He loved sacrificially. He gave up his life to model love. He laid down his life so we would find it. But we're still asking the question, how does one fulfill the righteous requirements of the law? And that's why we've been in Romans. And we've, we've seen it answered. This question. What are the means that God provides for the Christian to meet and fulfill the law? What are the means? How does he help us do it? And the answer was given in Romans 8. Right? The Holy Spirit. The answer that like the church has been waiting for forever is, how does it happen? He gives you the Spirit. He writes the law on your hearts. He gives you, he doesn't just call you to do it. Oh, go do it and figure out. He actually gives you the tools. He enables you to fulfill the law. And he does it by the Holy Spirit. Let me read 8.4 for you. It's just the the most beautiful passage. It says, In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk, emphasis, in us, what? That should totally surprise humanity. In us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So the means to accomplish the law is found in the strength of the Holy Spirit. So, so far we've learned if you're totally new to Christianity, 
You've been exposed to like from Genesis 11 through Exodus 20, through the lens of King David, through Jesus, and now you're in Romans 8. And now you're going, okay, I see the Father as the source. I see the Son now as the standard. And now I'm hearing that the Spirit is the strength. So you, you, now, okay, now you're answering how. But today in Romans 13, the question is not anymore, how does it happen? It's not, how, or what are the means that Jesus provides through his, in order to accomplish the law, which is the spirit. Now the question is this, are you ready? What does it look like for a Christian to accomplish the law? Are you with me? What does it tangibly look like when the Spirit enables the Christian to fulfill the law? And the answer? Love. So let's go now to verse 8 and start unpacking what love looks like. And I think you're going to be immediately surprised. Watch what the Holy Spirit does through Paul. Oh, no one anything. Let's look at that for a sec and just talk about that. So, hey, do you want to know a great starting place, church, to be a light to the Gentiles, to be a light to the world, to be a witness for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Pay what you owe to people. <laughs> how about that for a start? I want to teach you how to love Hey, don't be in debt. Now, contextually, the verse right before it, verse 7 says, pay your taxes, pay all your taxes. Don't cheat on your taxes. And now he's saying, hey, don't owe anyone anything. So if you've borrowed money, pay it back. If you've got bills, hey, Christians, pay those bills. In a timely and God-glorifying manner. Uh, for me, like, um, I, I've started this, this discipline with my bills. That I won't open the envelope until I've got my checkbook out. Until I've got my stamps ready. If, if they're the kind of bills that don't allow you to pay online, like my electric bill. Um, and I won't open the envelope until I'm ready to pay it right then and there. So what if I'm three weeks early? I'm going to pay it. Uh, motivation, honest. I don't want to go to jail. And I don't want to pay more on fees. But this week I'm going, oh, there's a God-glorifying motive to that too. To be a witness in this community, I need to pay my bills on time. We just ended a class on finances that our deacon taught. It was awesome that people learned how to steward their finances really well. And it's a big deal, not just so that you're financially savvy, but so that you can steward God's money to glorify him so that you can be a witness to the lost, to everyone else in the world who is different from you, who doesn't have the faith. It's a really, really big deal. So he says, don't owe anything to anyone except... Look at this verse. Except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. All right. So these two are tied together. Um, we all know Dave Ramsey in here, I'm sure. Uh, he says that there's good debt and there's bad debt. And he talks about good debt being like, hey, it's okay. Like your house is, is good debt. Okay. Um, and in the Bible right here, it says there's some more good debt love you church are indebted to your neighbor to love them uh, when i was in college i worked at a, a, a christian sports camp i was a counselor to a bunch of little kids and we and we had this like idea or mentality with how to love our campers and we said um that every day we're to picture that our campers are wearing this sign on their chest 
that says, and I've shared this before you before, and says, make me feel important. Every time when we're like with this kid and they're crying or they've got a loose tooth or they don't like the chicken, you know, that's being served or whatever, what they're really saying is, make me feel important, Mike. And in this text, it's similar in that every one of you, every person that you know, every coworker, every classmate, every neighbor, physical like location, everyone is like wearing this sign on their chest. And you know what it says? You owe me love. So you know how like if you owe someone money, it is, it is on the forefront of your mind all the time. Or for instance, if you borrow a tool from your neighbor, you know how like if you see him, you're like always bringing it up that I have your tool still? Or is that just me, right? Like we borrowed a power washer the other day from a neighbor and I saw him. I'm like, hey, I'm really enjoying your power washer. Thanks for letting me borrow it. Like I, I, I need two more days with it, right? right? I'm just, just bringing it up because I have his stuff. It's his and it's at my house and I owe it to him to bring it back to him. And I'm, and I'm feeling this urgency in my heart that I need to just continually need to speak about his power washer when I see him. And we brought it back, just the church accountability, okay? Um, I finished my job and brought it back. But Paul is saying with that same urgency that you borrow stuff and have to pay it back, you need to always be bringing up and have this urgency in your heart to love other people. It's like needs to be constantly on your mind that you owe this person a display of love. That you are indebted to them. That's, that's how it reads. It needs to be continually on your thoughts and mind to express and show love to others. Question, can you imagine if every Christian lived like this? Can you imagine how attractive Christianity would be? It would be so irresistible if every Christian owed love to everyone they encountered. They would be so selfless. They would live for others before living for themselves. Look at the text with me. It says, For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. So if you have this mindset, if you have this mentality of loving others, you, you never get out of, of the debt. You never get under, like, being free from the debt of loving others. But you do fulfill the law when you have that mindset. It's the abundant life. And it's fulfilling. I just love how the Bible never leaves you hanging or wondering. It never leaves you in an ambiguous manner. I don't have this in my notes, but it, unlike socialism, not to go all political, but we just did a government sermon last time. Socialism says that, that, that the people own everything. And it is deliberately ambiguous on the people. And therefore, who takes over in socialism? Probably like one or two tyrants. And we've never seen that go well in world history. Russia, China, Venezuela, socialism tanks a culture. It's not Christian. And it's not, it, like, Christianity is never ambiguous. Wouldn't it be just so dissatisfying if Paul just left it at, um, so, love one another, <laughs> and let's let everyone define what love is. That's what the world wants to do. They want to define their own definition of love, don't they? God is so specific, and this is why we went to Exodus 20. Watch what he does in verse 9. He talks about the horizontal commandments of loving one another. Verse 9. 
for the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So there we are. These could be summarized like this. Like, hey, here are the things not to do in order to be a light to the world around you. In order to love your neighbor well, here are some specifics. You get that? Love's not just some cool flowery thing like, um, that, that, that exists out there. It actually is tangible and expressed really specifically. You want to do a good job loving God and loving your neighbors? Don't sleep with another man's wife. You want to follow the Lord? Don't steal other people's stuff. It's really specific. I love how the Lord gives us specific guidance. And then look at verse 10 with me. It says, love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, Love is the fulfilling of the law. Notice the ing in fulfilling. Were you expecting that in just reading it? Did it sound, does that sound good to your ears? Weren't you expecting so love is the fulfillment of the law? Isn't that interesting? Like he is he's wanting you. He's 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 expecting you and and knowing humanity, he's anticipating something, but he's pushing us further and going, it's not just a one and done, I showed love here, I fulfilled the, the law. He's saying that this lifestyle of loving others is, is a fulfilling of the law. Your whole life, this continuous act is going to fulfill the law. And you're going to need the Holy Spirit to do it. And this activity of continuous love towards others is the intent. So hopefully you're catching both in like all of scriptures and in this one in particular that loving people is not just doing bad stuff. Like just, just don't do this. Just don't covet. Just don't this. Just don't. But loving someone who is different than you requires you to not just not do stuff, although that's true. He's also saying, I need you to deliberately do good to your neighbor. I was cutting the grass yesterday. All this grass clippings went all over my neighbor's driveway, right? And I'm like, preaching this text tomorrow I kind of want to leave those grass clippings on his driveway I better go blow those off <laughs> right <laughs> like this text is working in me not just so that I wouldn't be an annoying neighbor but so that I would love him and do deliberately good things to him okay so let's say you went on to um, the Church of Rome's website, early church, and you went on the tab that said missions. You scrolled on down and you started reading about the missions program of uh, the church in Rome. Here's a Newman guess at what it would read like, okay? We, the Church of Rome, have nothing fancy to say about ourselves. Although the world around us is world-renowned for the culture, the food, the government, the, writer, the writers, the thinkers, the arts, we simply want to love well. We are committed to not wait for opportunities to show love, but we want to deliberately do good to people. We believe with all our hearts that this displays the love of God. And when we say deliberately do good to people, we mean people not like us. 
when we're around others, we look for people that talk different, walk different, act different, dress different, spend their money different, have different views, and we love them like Christ would. We believe that genuine kindness displays the heart of God and opens further doors for deeper ministry. When people talk to us, we want to love them so much, we're willing to love them with truth and grace. We believe biblical love happens in both word and in deed. Church, can you imagine if a church loved like that? Actually, we don't have to imagine, do we? Their kind of love spread the gospel throughout the whole world. And we are sitting here today, uh, recipients of their ministry and their faithfulness to love. Do you want to be a part of that movement? Let's do it. Let's close our time with three things, okay? Number one, make a commitment to have a new mindset. This is the new mindset of owing people love. So this would be, in, our, this mindset would be informed by the gospel. That Christ, he didn't owe us anything. Like we deserved death, yet he paid the debt of our sins. Satisfied the wrath of the Father. And now as a result of those great gospel truths, we with grateful hearts turn the tables and we owe our lives to everyone, to love them. It's a new mindset. Number two, make a list. So number one was to make a commitment to have a new mindset. Number two, make a list. Make a list of three people, okay? And we're going to talk about this in our community groups. Make a list of three people that are totally different than you, okay? Now, I would probably guess that that person is sitting right next to you, <laughs> right? But let's, let's, like, let's think about it. One of the persons, let's, let's have them be a family member. One of the persons, have them be someone that is lost. And then another person, have them be a Christian that's totally different than you, that thinks differently, that it's just, it's just different. And ask yourself, how can I love them sacrificially? That's like how Christ would love them, not the world. How would I love them sacrificially? We're going to share our lists in community groups and pray for each other and talk about what it would be like to follow Jesus in this area in love in a radical manner. So number two is make a list. Number three, make it your aim to rely on the strength of the Holy Spirit. I know it's a little long, but I think you can remember it. Make it your aim to rely on the Holy Spirit's strength and not your own. How do I do that? How do I, how do I rely on the Spirit? I don't want to be a pastor that just spouts off ambiguous commandments either. How you rely on the Holy Spirit's strength is this. It's just twofold. Confess your sins. 1 John 1, 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you don't confess your sins, you're still holding on to your sins. You're white-knuckling your life. You don't want the Spirit's strength. You want your sin. So you've got to confess your sins. You've got to clean it out. And then you've got to ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. Ephesians 5, 17 says, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's an illustration of control. Will you give the Spirit control? Will you surrender your life so that the Spirit can move and act and speak in and through you to guide you, to help you, to give you strength? Sometimes this means He'll open your mouth so that you can speak God's truths. Sometimes it means he'll lead you to close your mouth, <laughs> to be self-controlled. Either way, you're self 
you're not, you're not relying on yourself, but you're relying on his strength in and through you so that you glorify God. So you have to make it your aim to rely on his strength. And to me, that won't just, that's not just a recipe to have a good day. That is a recipe to live for Christ and to love others well. Are you with me? Let's do that as a church. I'd like to pray for you and then I'd like to sing together in response to God's word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is clear. Lord, thank you that you are working in and through this church and you have a plan for us. You have a plan to to cause your gospel to prosper. And I pray that this church would love so well and radically this week. That they would rely on the strength of the Holy Spirit. Lord, that they would make it their aim, their total ambition to trust you with their life, with the ups and downs, with the discouragements, with the challenges, with the opportunities that you would be their rock and their strength. And Lord, we're going to trust you with the fruit that comes about as a result of this text. Would you stand? And let's lift our voices up to him. As a reminder, if you need prayer at all in these areas, really ask the Lord while you're singing, Lord, would you... Would you have me lean on another brother or sister in the body of Christ? Lord, would you have me ask for prayer? I need help in these specific areas to fulfill the law, to love well. If you are like I was a couple days ago where it was, I actually don't have the desire to love differently. I don't have the desire to love radically. Everyone who's different, I want to avoid them, not draw near to them. If you are there, welcome. Welcome. It's okay to say that. It's okay to, it's okay not to be okay. It's not okay to stay that way. Right? So let's grow together in that area. That happens through community, pursuing Jesus together, through prayer, through the study of God's Word.